And good afternoon. It's about 4.01. And and thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. This is Finding a Voice, spoken word program airing here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And in the, coming up, uh, in the first hour from the July 2nd reading in the End the Journey Continues monthly open mic reading series, you'll hear readings by Ron Chase, Gary Raspberry, Jenny Marshall, Kinman Young Tai, Sarah Emtage, and C. Ann Graham, Devin G.A., Bob McKenzie, Karen Rudy, Meg Freer, Matt Drabenstadt, and Sasha Hill, Alyssa Cooper, Scarlett Flores Singh, and Quentin Kerr. And uh, that was in the first round, and continuing with that in the second hour, and from the same obviously open mic reading, you'll hear readings by Eric Folsom, Adrian Yee, and Judith Popeil, and uh, myself. And then as we move into the second round readings, uh, again, Gary Raspberry, Kinman Young Tai, Sarah Emtish, uh, Ann Graham, Devin G.A., Bob McKenzie, Meg Freer, Matt Drabenstadt, Alyssa Cooper, Quentin Kerr, Eric Folsom, Judith Popeil, and then again myself. Uh, this first, though, the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally, some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content and edited to under the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So to begin uh, with uh, the next reading in that series coming up next Tuesday, I've decided to air the full, and I was able to get it all in, too, of July's open mic reading in the And the Journey Continues uh, monthly series. And uh, we've moved to a new format, so you're going to hear a poet, and that's why there are so many poets uh, featured a uh, poet with a single poem, and then in the, passes the mic on to the next poet. So we usually end up going through two rounds. So, And then I group them together, usually in somewhere around three or four uh, poets, and air them that way. So here, coming up in the first round again of the July 2nd, and the journey continues, open mic reading, you're going to hear Ron Chase, Gary Raspberry, Jenny Marshall. And Kinman Young Tai. Let me get this all fixed up here. We should be ready to go. Up first, Ron Chase. Let's bring him up. Man in a bottle. I spoke with you tonight, or more like you spoke at me tonight. Words hurling like knife blades left me bleeding on the floor while your bullwhip tongue tore strips from my back, leaving open wounds to weep. I'll crawl into a desperate green bottle and throw myself into the sea. I'll wash up on some volcanic sand on a deserted island where souls go to die. I'll be less alone there. Chase, and as we bring up the next uh, reader, Gary Resbury, let's give them both a hand. Thank you. Greetings, everyone. I just wanted to point out the 
the new exhibit that's on display at the Elm is uh, my friend Heidi Mack. Uh, these are all her shots. They're all shot with a, an iPhone shot from the hip uh, in Portugal, and they're, they're quite beautiful. This evening I wanted to read uh, uh, from a book of mine called Some Days Just Noticing. I wrote a poem a day for a year, and I'm going to read uh, a poem from May 11th. This is uh, subtitled Smartphones. Smartphones don't make us smarter. I'm just thinking out loud. Going out on a bit of a limb, an unresearched opinion based on anecdotal observations. That woman walking down the street, having an animated conversation, only a shade different than talking to herself, really. The teenager, oblivious to everything but the screen he swipes at. The father, walking his children to school. Perhaps he's checking a bit of email before he gets to work, checking in as he checks out. Everyone staring at their phones. No one notices the clouds clotheslining across the tops of the buildings downtown. No one notices how in love that couple are who wait at the bus stop. Everyone is texting and tweeting, tweeting and texting, updating their photo on Facebook. Or maybe they're listening to an intellectually stimulating podcast, maybe watching an insightful documentary. Or perhaps they're writing little poems on little screens. Thank you. Gary Raspberry, and as we bring up Jenny Marshall, let's give them both a hand. <laughs> okay, this uh, poem is called, interestingly enough, Canada Day. I drape old oak, sorry, I drape our old oak harvest table in red plaid picnic cloth, anticipating family fun. I lay out identical bleached wooden butterflies, each wanting to become a distinct fridge magnet. I call the troops, young and old, male and female. We select brushes. We take precious time to create. Isn't this what Canada Day is all about? A colorful mosaic of unique individuals with different spins on what it takes to become a magnetic butterfly. Thank you. Jenny Marshall, and as we bring up Kinman, let's give them both another, a hand. Hi. Don't forget my name is Kinman. Uh, well, let me see how I'll make a long story short. Robert Frost in Vermont was farming, mine some chickens, and um, at that time he was really struggling. 
Boy's will was yet to be printed, not of something was supposed to be printed to. And uh, one of his kids found out that he was mining foul and writing poetry. So they decided to tease Mr. Paul Robert Frost. You are now the poultry man. And um, he didn't like that. He dropped the uh, pseudonym, and I thought it fit me pretty well. So I am now Robert Frost, poultry man. And um, it's an interesting little uh, persona, it's like a Zoro, or you know, man in black, who is it? Modesty Blaze, that, that sort of alter ego, a persona. And um, it's a big part of Persian poetry, especially Atars, who actually made Rumi like poetry, believe it or not. Atar used to propose something. The Hopo was his persona. Bird have a problem, I can't believe in God, I can't do this, Hopo would come and give an answer. And when Hopo related this answer, then Atars dropped in with his poem. And I find it interesting, especially for a while, guy like me who need to be in a coop. So uh, this is actually an old one, which I've revised since February 2012. And um, since that time, I forgot Derek's little message about craft. You know, people ask him, Derek, how, how come you could write these things that flow so much and everything seems to be in place? He said, just count the syllables. What? You mean like the toes? You know? Count the syllables. You know, and it's interesting. Inspiration, yes, blah, 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 blah. But syllable is making sure there's enough room between the boom and the boat so that when it swings, they don't, they don't really just swap over. And it's really amazing that after when you write hot and butter and you do the syllable counts, I want 12 syllables here, 10 syllables here, 12 syllables again, and you keep working it like that. You wouldn't believe how, how uh, interested the muse is, you know? She's kind of saying, what? Yes, muse, you are my slave. So this is my uh, revision. Uh, let me just give you the poultry man situation. The poultry man sits under the roof in the rain and dark. So seated, he thinks of old hens and roosters and how he views them now. So I scratch out a revision of one way back, February 2012. So this is where the Congress syllabus, Nothing seems more than the sun letting others come and go. In it, all those needing a thrill or contest to grow. So I woke courage with what springs to view. In the fridge are boxes with sprigs of thyme and rosemary. Outside the tin blocks, green to urge recovery. Myself deep in a cardinal's thrill. Families and the actions falling in line with fortune. Poems that desperate to need others to move frail as my words in those dreams built with them. Needing to be sane and solid, I look back at what was. The two fish heads chewed to find bones on mother's plate. In a please look, an old needed chorus. I wish I could echo the poet Machado, blooming a flower. But here, I revised with his petals on the ground and soap. Thank you. That was Kidman, and as we give him another hand, let's bring up Sarah Intesh.
And you just heard readings by Ron Chase, uh, Gary Raspberry, Jenny Marshall, and Kinman Young Tai in the July 2nd reading in the monthly open mic uh, reading series called And the Journey Continues and held at the Yum Cafe. Up next in it, here are Sarah Emtish, Ann Graham, and Devin G.A. All right. Um, yeah, so the part of Kingston that I live in is, I think, generally known as Portsmouth Village. And um, uh, so one day, writing at Tim Hortons, I decided to take the idea of uh, it being a, uh, the port's mouth and uh, came up with this. Portsmouth smiles on a sunny day, dawns, yawns, and spits out the mayflies, whistles with robins and kisses dandelions. But today is a gray day, and Portsmouth is swallowing buckets of rain, slipping and sloshing down each of its drains, gargling and gurgling an endless refrain. I can't complain, a frown won't drown me. I am swallowing tea, tucked away in a tooth, or rather a Tim Hortons booth, watching the water wash back to the port. Sarah M. Tish, and as we give her another hand, uh, let's share that applause with Ben Graham, who's coming up. Thank you. Oops. Right, my hope is better. Maybe if I read it backwards, it would be really clever. <laughs> um, this is an old one, but hopefully so many new faces, you haven't heard it before. It's called, um, Come Thou, O Muse, Amuse Me. Come thou, O muse, amuse me. Bring back to me impressions, lost thoughts, stirrings of my being, so that I may give voice to them. I see some butterflies, or maybe large moths, flying low, searching the flower beds. Though their random search appears without evident purpose, what is it they look for? Lately, I've been thinking quite a lot about flying. Strange. I used to fly much more when I was young. Every night I flew over rows of houses and through back alleys. Even before I could walk, I knew all of them. I'm told things that things, I am told all things diminish with age. Bones become brittle, brain cells deteriorate, and appetites are less ferocious. Yet I have found this is not wholly so. In the act of slowing down, I've been given a great gift. Yes, sight and hearing lesson, yet other senses are now appearing to replace them. I notice more details which make my life increasingly more meaningful. I can hear meanings and yet unspoken words, which I missed in the flush at the heavy rush of youth. Finding a feather on the path, I hold it pencil-wise between my thumb and finger and continue on my walk. The connection is instantaneous. I feel a small, rapid pulse as the feather moves with each nuance of the breeze, as if stealing, still feeling its attachment to the bird and aiding in its flight. So, I may be aging, but still I can fly. Now I continue to fly, 
not as swiftly, not as high, but with greater attention. Like the moths, maybe, I seem without purpose in my search, but I know there are treasures waiting to be found. that for uh, Devin G.A. coming up to the mic. So, a couple months ago I wrote a poem, or I read a poem here that was inspired by Avengers Infinity War. And uh, so after w watching Avengers Endgame, I decided to repeat that pattern. So this is endgame to this fuck given. I'll be reading the first half right now. Part one. This raining becomes pouring when I step. The talking turns to silence as the violence leaves peace unemployed. The gauntlet holds the stones, rocks hard like a heavy metal band. Look at my lines crossed, transfixed, in a mind lost in a repetitive gambit. Inherit pain from my whole planet, then get cut in half by the way of the snap. Creating balance puts a smile on my face, recreating feelings of failure. We all have our days, so that's why I'm inevitable. Never tempt me to reverse anything, so these stones I destroy. Should have gone for the head. Good advice, but you took it too late. What heist forms from my grave gives my second chance to failure. Part two. A line about breaking free plays through my head as the one out of 14 million options plays out. Attempting to reverse the effects of eternity. We let him fall for a half hour. Later he passes a stone into a wishing well. I do the same. In other words, I let time slip away. Streaking ropes fall away lights up like Ivan's whips, strip away an army, just chips being dragged out of the bag in a party. Ultimate forces play a role, act as if it's Galactus. I will control these forces by standing on one leg, impressing him with my perfect balance. The impotence draws near, an impotence so strong it nullifies an entire bottle of Viagra a unique form of wizardry on the soul. Not every hero wears a cape, but I do. Part three. A demon in my, in my pantry, electric angel in the sky. What's most electric is the gravity of our return from stardust, thrust upon us from a certain envious professor. He demonstrates his growing feelings by getting a bit too miffed. Odd that he's a virgin, considering how much he smashes. Unlike him, I never get threat smashing. Whether it be fast or slow, even if later she needs a crush. When I fight, I may fall back. I am the panther, so he may think of me as feline. But if I'm a cat, though, I, might, I must be feeling like tech, because the number of lives I got is Nina. Devin 
GA, and as we give him another round, let's bring up Bob McKenzie. And you just heard uh, readings by uh, Sarah M. Tish and Graham and Devin G.A. again in the July 2nd reading in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues. Uh, again, always held it now at the Elm Cafe. Up next in it, here are Bob McKenzie, Karen Rudy, and Meg Freer. This is a brand new poem written for a performance on September 28th. So for now, I'm giving it test drives. Where are the angels? <laughs> Can I tell you a story? It's a true story. I was panhandling downtown, sitting on the sidewalk, and this man walked by me. I think he's an ecstasy dealer. This man walked by me. He turned and came back. This man passed me three times. I think he's an ecstasy dealer. Then he walked across the street. He picked up a brick, brought it over, and hit me hard. Hit me three times in the back. I think he's an ecstasy dealer. I don't even know him. It's not easy this street life, sleeping on grass and park benches, roughing it in camps in the woods, waiting to be roasted by city cops ready to destroy whatever you own, panhandling for enough to buy food, digging in restaurant dumpsters, stealing food just to survive, shadows along downtown sidewalks, shadows adrift outside society's comforts, invisible to those who wish not to see, Wisps, like ghosts huddled on sidewalks, walked past by the living, afraid to see. Homeless, abandoned, with no place to go, poorly fed and poorly housed, or not at all. Illness and mental health issues untreated, alone and unprotected against the elements, preferred by too many to be dead and gone. It's not easy with no home to go to, shelters often too full or dangerous moved along by cops and shopkeepers, beaten and harassed by bored bullies, braving seasons without proper clothes, battered by rain and snow and hot sun, hid in shadows and under eaves or trees, invisible to those who will not see shadow people living in the cracks. I walk in the shadows among the ghosts, talk with them and call them my friends, the troubled and those who have troubles, strong and courageous against all odds, beaten and abused, but most of all shunned, invisible and unwanted wherever they stop. A man passed three times, my friend says, beat him with a brick, a too common story. My friend tells me, I don't even know him. Where are the angels when you need them? Where are the helpers and compassionate bringing the homeless back home again, raising up the downtrodden and defeated, feeding the hungry and healing the ill, seeing in the shadows beautiful people, bringing back to the sidewalk ghosts light to those who live in the shadows. And if you look, you will see angels. Thank you.
Bob McKenzie, and as we give him another hand, let's also use that to bring up uh, Karen Rudy.
uh, and it's held at the Elm Cafe. And uh, we'll bring Matt uh, Draymond-Stott in, but uh, maybe I really should do these first, and we'll do that right after, and I'll reintroduce then. How's that? Here we go. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. Since 1922, CFRC Radio has been the canvassing and community radio station for Queens and Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is both listener-supported and listener-created radio, bringing both music and spoken word content to our community on 101.9 FM and around the world on cfrc.ca. Support locally created media. Learn more at cfrc.ca. Folk everything. Every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional folk, modern folk, future folk, and strange deviations from the norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture here on CFRC. Says Red to James, that's a fine motorbike. I mean, if there's a listener-supported radio station, you're, it means that people can get daily, every day, a different way of looking at the world, not just what the corporate media want you to see, but a different picture, a different understanding, but a different picture, a different understanding. Not only can you hear it, but you can participate in it. You can add your own thoughts, you know, and you can learn something and so on. Well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way, uh, well, that's the way uh, people become... Uh, human, you know, that's the way you become human participants in a, in a social and political system. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce and here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. Uh, we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. Let's go ahead and go back into the July 2nd reading in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues. And again, now always held at the Elm Cafe. Up next in it, here are Matt Drabenstadt and Sasha Hill. Hello everyone, it's good to see you all. My name is Matt Drapenstadt, and uh, I don't have a poem that I wrote, but it's a poem that's about me in some ways. I uh, found this poet on Instagram. Um, their handle is Notes on the Way, the poet Tori Blue. Uh, and I appreciated their writings. And they said they did commissions on Black Friday, and I was like, yes, I want a commission. So you essentially get to send uh, Tori an email with kind of who's the audience and what you want the poem to be about. And I essentially said, uh, Tori, I love your poetry. 
uh, this poem doesn't have an audience, but uh, I'm trying to uh, wrap my mind around some grief that I've been mulling over. And as I've shared with some of you before, I lost my sister to suicide about three years ago. And I told Tori that I had kind of run, run the, the length of language on uh, my grief, but it was still very much unresolved. And that I would appreciate if uh, she could bring any, any um, light to the fore about grief. And so this is what she sent me. Um, and I just opened it a couple weeks ago. So it's in four parts. Part one. There are many things I still believe, though some days I don't quite know why. Like love is a fireplace that always holds a flame, washes the room in hues of honey, tangerine, spice, that on every coldest, wettest day reserves fireside a space for all who have weathered it. Two. I have myself been weather-worn. I know how it feels when lightning strikes a house. That crack of energy, then its consuming roar that seems it might split through walls so close it could put its hand in your open mouth and take your teeth right out. Then, then, that terrible, terrible silence. This is what loss does, too. I miss her, how her song took up room in our hearts, how her laugh was too big for her body to hold with any elegance, and how perfect that was to me, how she asked so many questions, I wish that she'd asked for more. Four. Now the questions are mine. And though some days I don't quite know why, I come to the hearth and listen. There may never be answers, but there is at least still this, a fireplace, its warm hands gentle on my face, and its steady, simmering voice that sings to my heart as its flames trip the light, fantastic. Thank you. There was Matt Dragenstadt, and as uh, we give him another hand, let's welcome Sasha Hill. Watches them falling, 
time slows to crawling, you're busy scrolling through your phone. Don't notice a red light flash by a sad sight, sad way to die. No. Flying high pass over, rolling not dice, sober gamble till it's all over. Hey, heaven's name comes to mind, but some closure guilt creeps, creeps upon my shoulder. Never thought I could get colder. Hostage, I composure and closure of my four poster bed, poster child in a mind feel the four leaf clovers. I'm running out of luck in my head. Hey, I got out alive. Wake up your tired eyes, looking with the rest up, head upon your chest, love. I'm calling out your name, no return address, love. Hey, collapse in my past, love letters never last. I burn them to centers. No, don't return to centers. All kind of bad behavior. Choosing to be greater. I'll be my, I'll be my, my own savior. Go home and wicker weebly traces. A mask in a backseat of a casket. You ask me how it all ends. The answer is unwritten. You still ask. See it written in the light in the middle of the night. One day never flying quiet, riot, stay hidden. Headaches and heavy rain. I'm awake all night. Insight from headlights to taillights. Drive by with a brake on. Confetti smoke blowing out of your lungs. Roll down your windows of your tunnel visions. Look to the ground as you wake to the sound. Pray as we play with the carnal optics. Operate a predator mind. Praying, praying all the time. Shackle to heaven's love of one of a kind. Gone too soon and highway full of blues. Ambitions came and went. We fall Eagles bruising, wondering and wandering where we go when time slows. Aimless sinners, we're just beginners. In turns with the copiers, imitation lies in hesitation. When we deny it, never blossom to fruition. You ask how you've been written in donation too many years with too much hesitation. It's too late, everyone fake with their masks on. See, it's survival of the quickest. Interpretations condemning all the thickest nations. It's the frequency we yawn. Have to say it out loud, but we're about so, so. Hey, what you gonna do now? Do now. What you gonna do now? You're living. Hmm, you're living. Hey, you're living. Living. Living is a dying, you're living is a dying, you're living is a dying, you're living, you're living, you're living, you're living, you're living, you're living. Thank you guys. That was Sasha Hill, so give her another hand. And that was, uh, you just heard a reading by Matt Drabenstadt and uh, then a performance by Sasha Hill in the July 2nd uh, reading in the uh, monthly reading event, I should say, in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues. 
And again, always at the Elm Cafe, and up next in it, here are Alyssa Cooper, Scarlett Flores Singh, and Quentin Kerr. So this piece I have been calling uh, Rabbits Are Roadkill on Route 66, but I stole that from Nemo Band, so I'm probably going to have to change it eventually. This is the script you have come to know well. You will drink green tea even though you hate the taste. You will starve until you see stars every time you stand. You will purge until the coal in your throat burns a hole in your esophagus, and it will never be enough. The elastic band of your underwear across your hip bones is the sky above a canyon, tight as a guitar string and blue. That stretch is your freedom, that empty space is your release, wrists like broom handles, elbows like bird beaks, like vultures hooked and hungry. You want everyone to know, and you want no one to know. Even when you're eating, you still talk about your sickness in the present tense. You still talk about your sickness in the second person as if that distance can protect you. Lay down in the street and let the cars pass over you like roadkill. Let me draw your outline on the asphalt like a murder mystery, a shape to contain your absence, but it won't look like you. It won't take a room like you do. You can't look at rabbits without thinking of a rib cage. The moon is not a satellite. It is a single milk-white eye, and it is staring. Was Alyssa Cooper, as we give her another hand, let's bring up Scarlett Flores to sing. Is that right? Perfect. Thank you. few months after I gave birth uh, to my daughter, I had a manic episode, and I was hospitalized, and um, shortly after I was discharged, discharged from the hospital, I wrote this poem, and this is about uh, all the interesting people that I met at the hospital. It's called um, Show Stealer. They're all phony, is all he could say. He'd scraped the bottom of his suit bowl. Is this what they call hearty? Is this what they call healthy? In a world where cracks are not supposed to show, this is what they deem whole. What's he doing in a place like this? A place where oblivion owns the house. A place that screams margins in gray. A place that spells S-T-I-G-M-A. If he had the stage to himself, he would have his chin up and he'd belt out. I am a painter. I paint for a living, you know? And not only that, I can do so much more. Tell me what you have in mind and I can bring it to life. I can duplicate your dog, your house, your partner, your dream vacation. Spare me a swishing and a slashing. Spare me a minute and I'll show you my cut. I am the singer who has lost his tune. In a world that crashes and burns, like that's all it knows to do. I was the runner who was made famous in June. And like a fleeting light of a firefly, all I have now is the shadow of the moon. I am the athlete you cheered for before seeing my prosthesis. I am the one you booed for, discounting genetics. 
I am the entrepreneur who lost it all. My wealth, my family, my health. Probably because of her. Definitely because of me. I am paper cranes and paper roses. You knowingly sit next to your garden of bloom. And then you go ahead and pick the one with the best scent, the nicest trim, the most kaleidoscopic look. I am the one you did not choose, the one you never will. What's up with my suit, he asked. It's supposed to be healthy. It's supposed to be hearty. It's supposed to be perfect. I'm supposed to be whole. That was, uh, uh-oh. Scarlett. <laughs> Scarlett Flores Singh. Let's give her another hand and bring up Quentin Care. So I actually have a short story that I'm only going to read uh, a small part of. Um, so if it doesn't make sense, hopefully that's because it's missing context. Hopefully. All right, uh, and it's called All That Could Be Cured. The next morning I woke early and made my way over to Janet's apartment. We had plans to go fishing up at Long Lake. Bill had a couple of rods and hooks. Janet was, of course, already up. She looked small and young in the early morning, eyes still swollen with sleep, hair tied back. She let me in and we drank coffee without speaking much. She was always good for that. And then Bill showed up and sat down between us, drumming his fists on the table and spilling my coffee, patting my back hardly and saying how those poor fish didn't know what they had coming, huh? And winking at Janet and showing us the hooks he had brought and how to tie them properly. It was a fancy knot he'd learned from his father, small and quick, but it would hold all right. Yes, sir, yes, sir, it would hold. He tried to show me how it went. It was quite simple. One end was a tree and one was the rabbit. This rabbit then went through the loop and around the tree and back again two or three times and then up around and over the hill and back again. It was entirely simple and I couldn't do it to save my life. There was a pause while Janet gave it a shot. She was hopeless. We were both hopeless. We were both so unbelievably lucky to have a top-notch fisherman like Bill along for the ride. I knew I had to tell them about Rico, but I didn't want to do it while they were both so close. It would help no one to worry. Carrying my mug and Janet's, both of which were empty, I walked to the sink, ran the water. Hey, so, saw Rico yesterday, I said over my shoulder. The water was cold at first and then suddenly too hot. The tap was only a trickle and then it was torrential. It was a trick to balance. Where at? asked Bill, and oh, how's old Rico? asked Janet. Bill was trying hard to get my knot undone, picking at the thin line with broken fingernails. He with his knots and his face scrunched up and me at the sink, skin squeaking against porcelain, water brown with the coffee and white with the soap. Only Janet had nothing in her hands. At his place. Nice building, eh? Great spot to live. I don't think he's doing much though, you know? I thought he was feeling better, Janet said. Maybe he is, I said, hard to say. I've seen better and I've seen worse. He's a tough guy, right? Well, did he seem better? I finished with the cups, dried them, placed them back on the shelf. 
It was getting bright outside, and on the street, people walked dogs that ran past. We were losing our head start on the day. No, I said, no, I can't say it seemed like he was doing better. He's having these dreams, although he calls them visions. Visions? This from Bill. It was a funny thing to be talking about in the morning. I couldn't say it seriously, and so we couldn't take it seriously. Well, dreams, I would call them dreams. Of the, well, of the apocalypse. Ah, said Bill, nodding, of course. Which one? Asteroids. Same one the dinosaurs got, I guess. Ah, said Bill, of course. That's optimistic. Sign of the times, I said. All the news, I guess. Guess it got to old Rico pretty bad. Messes with his sleep. We all need sleep, Bill said diplomatically. Fucks with you, a lack of, a lack of sleep. I agree. Very important sleep is for the mind, the body. No one got enough of it. So not better than, Janet said. It was a very sharp binary, this of better and not better. Hard to talk so sharply in the morning, and we were losing our head start on the day, too. Well, I said, it wasn't the cleanest place I've ever been. Couldn't exactly eat off the floor, Bill suggested. Wouldn't exactly feel comfortable eating off a plate, either, if you know what I mean. Guys, Janet said, it's not that funny. There was nothing to say to that. I sat beside Bill and picked up the fishing line. One end rabbit, one end tree. Thanks. And that's Quentin Care, and as we give him uh, another hand, uh, let's bring up Eric Folsom. And you just heard readings by Alyssa Cooper, uh, Scarlett Flores Singh, and Quentin Kerr in the July 2nd reading in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues, held at the Elm Cafe. And uh, Eric will wait along with that last group of poets uh, until the second hour because there just wasn't enough time to fit that full segment in in this hour. So... Uh, I hope you can stay tuned uh, for the second hour today, and you're going to hear the full of the second round of that July 2nd, and the journey continues open mic reading. Uh, and uh, as I do that, though, I do have some time uh, to fill in here, and I've got some announcements uh, to share with you. So before I do that, though, I just want to uh, uh, simply know, let you know that... Uh, you're listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Well, again, we are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream, again, live online, www.cfrc.ca. And... Uh, before, again, I share the events, I want to, before I forget, I want to include this because I try to include it at the end of each hour, is just to let uh, any of you know that uh, I also have a blog space for this show, and each week, as soon as I get home, each hour has its own blog space, so I'll load each hour into it, and... Uh, should remain there for about four years at Finding a Voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. Let's see how many events I can get through here. I'm going to make a couple of announcements first. Uh, I may have done this earlier, but uh, we're getting close to the 
end of the uh, Al Purdy A-Frames 2019 Writers in Residence. It's uh, more of a, an almost a late spring, uh, summer kind of uh, uh, series. Uh, there have already been two other residents there. And what it is, it's uh, over the course of the summer, four authors uh, resided back-to-back at the Purdy A-Frame. Uh, and uh, I have links for you at the bottom of this. Um, but uh, the ones, and, and they have a more complete bio in those links. Uh, the two that have already been here and gone were Cornelia Hoogland and Anna Swanson. I can say that Damian Rogers is there now, will only be there until August 10th. So another week and a bit. And uh, Brian Brett will then be there from uh, August 11th through September 20th. So for more information, I'm just going to do it that way. Uh, the A-Frame History and Residency Program uh, can be found at www.alperdy.ca slash... And then if you want to know more about the residents there, uh, just add writers-in-residents-2019 slash. So again, www.alperdy.ca, and that's A-L-P-U-R-D-Y. Uh, also, another announcement, uh, creative writing at Queens Writer-in-Residence for the fall term. Uh, was announced about uh, maybe a month ago, and that's when I think I mentioned it, but it will be Kanisha Lubrin uh, will be the writer-in-residence during the 2019 fall term. Not a lot of details yet, uh, or, uh, dates for upcoming events, or uh, when she will be available to be contacted while she's here, but it does um, that program, the Queen's Writer-in-Residency uh, program, always welcomes the opportunity to work with Writers in both the Kingston community in addition to Queens University students. So uh, I will let you know when I have more information here. Let's move into calls for submissions. Uh, Fence Books, and this is the only one I'm going to mention because the others are out there quite a ways. Uh, Fence is uh, accepting submissions in the categories of poetry, fiction, and other. And I just came across this uh, listing, so that's why I want to be sure and share it uh, with you. I might have shared it last week, uh, or this about the time I got it, I think. Uh, let's see, I'm kind of quoting from their page, I think. Tell you what, I'm just going to give you their email address, and uh, because I'd like to make sure I include a few events and other things in this time. So uh, their call deadline, I will tell you that, is August 15th. Uh, so still a couple of weeks, but it is coming up quickly. Uh, it, uh, let's, I'm just trying to breeze through here and see if there's anything. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to let you go there and find out. So www.fence.submittable.com. And then I've got here also slash submit question mark MC and then a bunch of numerals after that. But I'll tell you what, I imagine if you get that far in any sort of search engine search uh, in their box, it will take you straight there. And uh, 
should mention what day is. No, it's already passed. So uh, I will mention there there is a weekly group that have been announcing here, and this is more to say that it isn't happening. <laughs> so uh, it's a weekly group that meets every month other than August. And so it's the, usually the first one I mention before I go into the chronologically listed groups. So, uh, but it is the Limestone Writers uh, Writers Writing Group that meets in uh, in uh, the in room 239 of Stoffer Library every Wednesday evening. And just to give you a heads up, if you've been going to it and you've kind of forgotten, or you go to it occasionally and. Uh, and that they are they do take the month of august off and i think that's kind of because i don't think you can get in the library for part of the month of august so there you go uh, they'll resume again uh, in uh, september and i'll start talking about that later this month i will tell you there are a few events coming up in the first half of august let's see if i can get through all of them here let's see yeah maybe uh the next, uh, you've been listening to it, the next and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series uh, does meet again uh, this coming Tuesday, so August 6th, 7 to 9.30 p.m. Doors do open at 6.30, and I encourage you to come at that time so we can get everybody seated and uh, taken care of. Uh, the barista will be on hand to uh, take care of you, a limited amount of food, and uh uh, some beverages there as well so again that's coming up tuesday august 6th at the elm cafe which is located at 303 montreal street which is right on the corner of it and charles there is also a facebook event uh, posting for it so check that out also meeting in tweed uh, that night uh, that evening uh, they are another first tuesday night of the month series and they're called the first Tuesday Muse. Again, they meet from uh, Tuesday, August 6th from 7 to 9 p.m. And they meet at Tweedsmere Tavern. Uh, and that's in downtown Tweed. They do uh, also have a group page, actually, for theirs rather than an event page. So uh, you can search for the first Tuesday Muse and you will find that. Coming up on Sunday, August 11th, and doors open at 5.30 with readings at 6 at Novel Idea Bookstore. You're going to, uh, uh, there'll be a reading with Sherry Huang, uh, along with, uh, and that's a book launch as well, along with Layla Chisimore and Ashley Elizabeth Best. And uh, Sherry will be launching uh, her new book, Love Speech, uh, and... Uh, the other poets will be reading from their own work. And uh, then on uh, Monday, August, and that was, in case I didn't say it, Sunday, August 11th, uh, doors at uh, 530. If you do, uh, there is a Facebook event page for that, too. So Sherry Huang, that's H-U-A-N-G, and uh, book launch novel idea should take you right there. And we've probably got enough time next. The other events are coming out there a bit, so we should have a bit of time uh, next Friday to get into those because it is now 18 seconds after 5 o'clock, so I guess it's time to move into the second hour. Uh, 
let you know you are listening to, in case you just tuned in, Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. Now, in this second hour, as uh, mentioned in the first, uh, we'll hear one last uh, grouping of uh, poets uh, from the first round of the And the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. And uh, you'll hear in it first uh, Eric Folsom, who was mentioned in the first hour, Adrian Yee, uh, Judith Popeil, and myself. And then second round readings by Gary Raspberry, Kinman Young Tai, Sarah Emtish, and Graham, Devin G.A., Bob McKenzie, Meg Freer, Matt Drabenstadt, Alyssa Cooper, Quentin Kier, Eric Folsom again, uh, Judith Popeil again, and myself. And uh, as mentioned in the first hour, the usual uh, hourly announcement that occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. So, from that first round, and uh, in fact, uh, again, the final grouping in that first round, here uh, at the uh, End the Journey Continues Open Mic Reading in that monthly series held at the Elm Cafe, here are Eric Folsom, Adrian Yee, Judith Popeil, and uh, my own reading at the end of that first round. Okay, thank you. Um, I, I, I grabbed the wrong stuff when I left the house. <laughs> Me too! <laughs> So um, I had this set of um, 12 poems uh, um, that I revised, and I brought the old version. So, like, and I thought, well, uh, you know, we've just hit Canada Day. This, this, the one for, these are like a poem for each month. Like, the July one would be perfect, because it's set on Canada Day. It's like, no, it's all scratched up. I can't even read it. So I didn't revise January. So, you're getting January instead. <laughs> January 8th on the 401. Animated weather map, lumbering pastel predictions. Do you hear an animal moving? Steady lull of water trilling. Mercy falls like rain, Satan like sheep lightning, and sleet, sleet, sleets like sleet, cumulative layers of single-celled creatures. The wind backs around the compass and curls up in the corner, bedraggled and surly, a raccoon hiding underneath a porch. Those are pearls of ice that silt the ditches, drifting downward from realms of light. I still see the highway when I close my eyes. I dropped in safely at the airport, turned the car around. Mission of Burma too loud, blue lights flashing beyond the hill. Remember when our hearts were young and unintentional? 
we did donuts on the black ice on the old stagecoach road. Let's give him another hand and bring up Adrian. sense that something has been lost, but probably not how much. She's sweet. She loves to dote on me. I could take advantage if I was eviler, but I'm not. Not that I haven't thought about it. I'm sure it'll be fine to ask for grocery and wound care money. I'm trying to express so I can inhale and exchange air and ideas freely with the universe. I'm really happy to have left Liskiti. I'm happy to be back, a conduit in the life for others, ignorant. We are, we all are, aren't we? Some more than others, some proud of their ignorance. I'm tired but sleeping okay. Move body every day, out and about. Grandma is worried about getting trapped in a toilet her friend told her a story, so she's, oh, her friend told her a story. She's excited about Adelaide, but keeps trying to cancel the trip. More yellow Esther, what the fuck? Jen! <laughs> um, get vitamin C. Um, sorry, and call, and call Sess. It annoys me. This weather is shocking, so unusual, obviously. Global warming, climate change. The weather is fucked. Extreme weather events. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Everyone is a fat cat eating chicken. So I don't care for birds unless they are Kentucky fried. My grandma can't see shit, hear shit, or comprehend. She's got bird brain. She's blind yet she sees all the birds, their unusual makings, and their beauty. Jose Adrian, let's give her another hand. a poem in the anthology that Bruce just edited and it's one of the, it's a short poem about the oak trees that I visit quite often there's a forest of oak trees in Napanee if you can believe it and um, they've kind of devastated a few of them because they're putting in a subdivision but every time I go there with my dogs it's just uh, a different experience but it feels like a grounding experience, and it also a poetic experience, because I seem to just write, sit down. I have to sit down and write when I'm there, because the words just come to me, and if I leave, 
I'll forget. So I have about four poems left, so I'm just gonna read the one, the next one. Wind blowing through golden oak trees, soft billowy clouds filtering over blue, blue sky. How refreshing, nature's gifts abound. Thank you. Judith Popeil, let's give her another hand. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read, and then we'll take like a 10 or 15, uh, 10 minute break, let's say, or so, and uh, then we'll start round two. This is called Flown Away. In my recent months of the busyness, the trials, sans verdict, as I hurriedly run from side to side in this prison cell of daily routine, of feeling obligation in your agendas has left me breathless. These chained, chains around my ankles, my heart that have kept me away from pen and page, bits and pieces of poems, have arrived, wanting to be touched, acknowledged, cared for, neglected instead. And I left now inside an almost silent place with only ghosts of poems, ever circling and flying past, stopping for only an occasional instant to remind as they go and circle back again, again, muttering but a hollow sound of pieces of word, broken ideas before they turn to forever fly away. Thanks. And you just heard readings by Eric Folsom, Adrian Yee, uh, Judith Popila and myself in the July 2nd reading in the monthly reading event in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues, again held at the Elm Cafe. And again, that was the final round. So as we move into round two, coming up next, you'll hear Gary Raspberry and Kinman Young Tai. First in this round is Gary Raspberry. Let's bring him up. Thank you. I spent this uh, long Canada Day weekend uh, in, in Montreal, in downtown Montreal. I was helping my 21-year-old son move apartments. He was only moving one block over. That was the good news. And three blocks up. And uh, there was also a jazz festival going on in downtown Montreal, no problem. Every other person in Montreal was also moving, no problem. This is the life of the parent. So I have a, uh, a poem I'd like to read for you. Uh, this poem, it's titled May 9th. That was the day it was written. It's actually also known as parenting. And I would like to read this for Heidi and Anna, who are at the very back on the couch. 
Remember at the beginning of the program, I mentioned that Heidi Mack put this, uh, these photographs up. Heidi Mack is now in the house, everyone. She is in the house. Awesome. May 9th, parenting. Parenting does not get easier. Parenting does not get harder. Parenting gets both easier and harder, but mostly it just gets different. As they grow older, our children are no longer our children. And yet, the lifeline that runs through our lives will forever bind us as parent and child. Babies need every available ounce of love we can give them. They also need to be fed and diapered. Happy toddlers need someone to affirm and celebrate and share their joy. Happy toddlers need to be held. Tantruming toddlers need a space to release some innate rage that lives inside them. Tantruming toddlers need to be held. In the moment it takes to turn our heads, our toddlers are teenagers who want to borrow the car. Our teenagers want to travel overseas. Our teenagers want to go to parties, want to experiment with alcohol, with drugs, with gender, with their sexuality. Problems and difficulties can no longer be solved by holding our teenagers. This can feel very problematic. But make no mistake, our teenagers need to be held. Thank you. That's Gary Raspberry. And as we bring up Kinman, let's give them both a hand. some of you all who are not doomed to die with books. Valéry Kanitz is um, Paul Valéry, French writer. He had something like 25,000 pages of notes, Kanit, when he died, and um, of which very little was produced. He was just a guy who developed, you know, just wrote and wrote and wrote. A few crazy ones like that, I hope I'm not one of those. And um, there is an amazing story about, I, think, I can't remember this woman's name, something Stokes in Philadelphia. Uh, I think she's a black woman. She kept 20 years of TV shows in VHS. She became rich and she just taped, she was a communist, and she taped all those shows that outlined to her an argument for communism in America. 20 years of media, of TV. And um, the point is sort of tied up in the sense that uh, we're talking about, I'm talking about Chinese with Kitch Rogers kind of a lot ahead with me because she has a different notion of what China, where Hong Kong should go. And I, a old, beautiful Chinese, know the emperor has quite a lot of clout in his hands. So I know me go with whoever is on top. Um, but China is also a strange little place there that has thousands of years of memory. What makes it interesting is the old Chinese poet which I think I'm a very fit echo of, or the Chinese 
psyche. Every morning, they do something that tells themselves who they are and where they're going. And if they're literate, a lot of them will take a piece of paper and do a few brush strokes on it. Something on the door, something on that. The whole writing process, the whole thoughts behind it, tell you in no uncertain way, this guy's that. Like typical war scene, maybe back Mousy Town way, you'll have them all sitting at dawn with the light, marking a few things. Or like in Zen, Zen Monastery, scratch out a little part in the ground and you make a little mark. Or you make a yin yang or whatnot. But that is the psyche of it. And I think the poem tries to deal a bit with that. And they all hung around and really a bumblebee. But let me put the poetry man in place before I kick him away. The poetry man waits to confirm the asterisk of a fan below the ceiling. In full light, he greets dawn and dusk, hens of the same breed, one white, the other black. So I scratch out a surface impression. He, a bumblebee, was drawing on what was on my hat. His wings at rest, he likely heard Kate and I talk, no doubt amused with two tales of Hong Kong. She for 20 years there, and I never, in China's civic. With heaven's mandates, emperor and his subjects, in place long after the footprints faded. 3,000 plus years ink, 20 odd Valerie Carnet, 20 years of TV shows in Stokes VHS, she communist and I a free nothing. I am not sure when the bumblebee had enough and fled, happy not to waste its sting on a hair that thick, misted in Chinese paintings and vague. I think it enough to have faces without background and flat, and my fun nature to fill in bodies clearly not there. Give Kid Man another hand to bring Sarah. And you just heard in again as we started the second round readings by Gary Raspberry and Kin Man Young Tai in the second round again of the July 2nd reading in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues. Up next in it, here are uh, you're going to hear Sarah Emtish. And Graham and Devon Chia. So, this is one that I wrote during Napa Rhino this year. Um, and, yeah, anyways, uh, I guess it's called Tinfoil Foil. I'm fencing with a tinfoil foil, fashioned fresh from the grill, from which the oil still sits and drips along the tip of my blade. Far from dismayed, I'm sipping lemonade with one hand and lunging with the other. Brother, do you yield? It doesn't matter what I wield. Thank you. Yeah. Got one? Yeah. yeah. Let's give Sarah Emptage another hand and bring Ann Graham up. Uh, this is kind of a weird poem. Uh, 
wrote it. Somebody asked me to write something about community. And anyway, this is what it turned up. <coughs> community. Brother Jerome Sebastian Paul spent hours kneeling in his stall, wondering why he felt ill at ease, especially when praying on his knees to the God he loved with all his heart, yet he felt no response, still felt apart. I'm too distracted by my brothers, Father Abbott and all the others, bustling around saying work is good, working together, growing our food. My reason for living, my only goal, is unity with God in my soul. I think that solitude is required in order to be at last inspired to converse with him, <clears throat> to contemplate his awesome presence and emulate our desert fathers, excuse me, <clears throat> our desert fathers who spent their time united with the spirit sublime. These thoughts gave him motivation to seek guidance on his vocation. Thank you. gave him motivation to seek guidance on his vocation. He sought the abbot out, old and wise. Humbly, he asked him for his sage advice. He blessed Jerome Sebastian Paul, giving him sound counsel for his soul. Obeying direction thus received, Jerome left the life that he believed, left for the life he, that he believed, would help him find what his heart desired. Fulfill the call to which he aspired. He found a desert cave and living there, spent his days in solitude and prayer. Years passed. He returned one Easter day. He rejoined his brothers gathered to pray. And humbly, he asked permission to address the community and granted his request, started this heartfelt exhortation community life, affirmation. My brothers, I beg to share with you what I have learned and think is true. I thought that having no distractions by daily chores and brothers' fractions, that I would commune with God, know his love, and join with the heavenly hosts above. Too soon my fervor dissipated, Alas, I felt alone, separated. Then one night I had a lucid dream. I met with a hermit, old and lean, and he asked why I lived in, a, in that cold cave. What was I seeking? My soul to save? When I said it was God I sought, smiling he answered, that's what I thought. Why are you seeking God all alone? He's not sitting upon a throne waiting for you in heaven above, waiting for you to beg for his love. God is in you and in your brothers. Love those around you and all others. Fulfill their needs, give them your support, while living the good life you have sought, unity, to give and take of sharing lives. And community exists and thrives.
That was Andrea as we give her another hand to stand up here in GA. So I said I'd finish that other one. This is part four of Endgame to this fuck game. Five hours can feel like five years, when suddenly my friends peace out, but may the sands guide me to a door. A new heist upon us might make right the chill of a dust storm. Part five. I might get fat. Never will I be lazy, even if I play Fortnite. I never speak of him, his head frozen on an emotional pier. It's as if I wish to ask you something in a Chicago accent. You fight back from, with frustration and get so mad you break a whole dimension of mirrors. Contemporary imaging reveals the glow in a matter of time. Your delusion and love of fate will become a quasar. We shall satisfy the hunger of your inner black hole. Part six. I steal your heart even when iron away from responsibilities. Some have a heart of gold, a heart of rust, or hearts of flat, fattening trusts laying them to waste. My heart is none of the above. Lit up by shrapnel, bold heroic acts give me validation. Host the heist in hopes to correct the childish Gambino. We both Gambinos, but he is more childish than me. Behaves as if he were a universe, one with a primordial era attitude and a dark era mindset. Marvel's Michael Jackson with one glove. The slice of life brings dark graving before the names we engrave on the stones before they come back. So you have a soul. At one point I got more than just that stone. Roll a joint since I'm not dead. Guess my fingers didn't snap. Speaking life into the reaper, it's hella frantic. The rage of this fanatic, mad at her belt because it would tighten so much. Embarrassing, but understandable. I know what it's like to get offended. Be so privileged and safe, yet you bitch nonetheless. It's childish like building a wall. Makes the real ones cringe and feel sick. We ask if you can grow up. Bash it, cringe from it. The snowflakes walk in manufacturing shame. The end is near. Real life comes in like a battering ram. And y'all just complain, so the broken door hits you. It was Devin G.A. As we bring up Bob McKenzie, let's give them both a hand. And you just heard readings by... Uh, Sarah M. Tish and Graham and Devin G.A. again, and that was in the second round of the July 2nd reading in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues. Tell you what, uh, let's do this quickly, and then I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio sit, News. Sit back, relax, listen to some hip-hop with the premium uh, plus. Friday. Stop rocking till it's time to go. The DJ professional rocking the show. The fantastic. Dollar bill every Friday night. 9 p.m. 
The Kingston Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org, email info at 99york.org, or call 613-542-1136. Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let the hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on 4 to the Floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400 kilometers to get to your table. Eating local means combating global warming. The future is on your table. Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, <clears throat> excuse me, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, we do stream live online, www.cfrc.ca. So let's go ahead and, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't get this out of my throat. Uh, going back uh, to the second round of the July 2nd reading in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues, again, held at the Elm Cafe now, and up next in it, uh, you're going to hear Bob McKenzie, Meg Freer, Matt Drabenstadt and Alyssa Cooper. Okay, I try every day, don't always succeed, to take a walk in the woods and along the shores of Kingston. And sometimes, often actually, in the woods, I see red-winged blackbirds. And they're sneaky. I take my camera with me. And when I go to take a picture, often they'll turn just so, so I can't see that red flash on their wings anymore. And they look like just blackbirds. And they're fast. By the time I snap the picture, they're gone. Um, so this is about red wings, sort of. It's called Red Wings Hiding Epaulets. I see these blackbirds, red flashes out of sight, and I think, of the war in Cambodia and Vietnam, 
when soldiers and officers all wore the same uniforms. No insignia indicating rank, lower ranks told not to salute. Hidden rank meant enemy snipers would not know whom to shoot. Whom does a red wing fear? Kinsey as we give him another hand, let's bring up Nick Freer as well. This is a poem about a man named Frank A. Davy. He lived in a mining town in Montana called Garnet uh, between 1900 and 1947 or so. He ran a general store and I have a, I've written about this town called Garnet, which is now a ghost town. But this is a piece about Mr. Davy called Davy's Store. 1906 prices, one dozen eggs, 30 cents, one pound butter, 30 cents, one can coffee, 25 cents, one can salmon, 20 cents, one can oysters, 15 cents, one can milk, 10 cents, lamp chimney, 15 cents, shaving soap, 10 cents. Frank A. Davy continued to run his store during World War I, put flour and sugar in an annex to be sold only in emergencies. Davy weighed gold in the store office, kept it safe in secret compartments, built into the back wall of the ice house until it could be taken down the mountain. Davy owned most of the town's land, let newlyweds live in his honeymoon cabin, rent-free, until the next couple came along. Davy lost several homes to fire, bought the hotel, moved into its kitchen, fed the stove one stick at a time from his bed, let mushrooms grow in empty rooms. So I have the wonderful privilege of uh, marrying my brother and his now wife, being the, uh, well, officiating, it's probably a quicker way to, less confusion. Uh, <laughs> celebrating the wedding of Aaron and Jasmine. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I, so for my gift for them, for their for their wedding, I folded up the ceremony in this little box. On the outside of this box, I wrote this poem, which I'm going to read to you. And I gave you a few pieces of context so the poem makes a little bit more sense. Uh, my brother and his now wife had a uh, Emmy award-winning uh, relationship, much like The Office. Uh, Jasmine was the receptionist, and my brother worked for this company, and he would um, find reasons to go to the front desk to ask for a pen, to get some candy, just to loiter, emotionally loiter. And um, 
that's how they that, that's how they fell in love is this kind of nine to five uh, Jim and Pam type relationship and they also have two dogs and one is this tiny little black chihuahua that they call the little bear and then there's a bigger one that they just got um, named Groot so uh, this is the poem that I wrote for them Happily ever after began before this day. Somewhere at the intersection of sticky notes and office Christmas party photo booths. A dream girl, a patient heart, a little bear, a bigger bear. This day came and went a flash flood of love. And this day will be but a blur of sweaty palms, tinking glasses, and hallelujahs. Try to remember me as the hero. But on this day, though even for a moment, transatlantic lovers stop time to hold eternal promises, to eclipse the billion sunsets that awaited them. And to this day, you will find them there, on the shore of tomorrow, unfolding beautiful turns of their story like peony petals, a story that can only be summed up as happily ever after. Does Matt Graves that? Let's give him another hand and bring out Cooper. Now let's bring her up. I don't have a title for this one yet. It's about my grandma. In the dream, she's wearing a crown, her face painted white. In the dream, she is crawling on the floor, eyes possessed. In the dream, she is underwater, floating peaceful. This is a story told back to front, beginning with the end, and though I swear we should be past it now, it keeps coming back. With edited scenes, all the pieces rearranged, scraps off the cutting room floor reinserted upside down, anachronistic. Cleaning out the house, we found the family Bible in the bottom drawer of the curio cabinet, wooden binding broken, a metaphor that I haven't found meaning for yet. There were photos of my father tucked between the pages, faded and dull, my father as I'd never seen him before. And he looked like me. Finally, I see it, that poorly kept secret. My father looks like me. Of course he looks like me. heard uh, in that uh, group of readings, uh, you heard uh, Bob McKenzie, Meg Freer, Matt Drabenstadt, and Alyssa Cooper again in the second round of the July 2nd reading in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues, again held at the Yom Cafe. Up next in it, here are Quentin Kerr, Eric Folsom, and Judith Popeil. Let's give Alyssa Cooper another hand and bring up Quentin Kerr. Thanks. I probably won't get to the end, but I'll do a little bit more and stop. But I don't think it's stopping point. Um, guys, Janet said it's not that funny. There was nothing to say to that. I sat beside Bill and picked up the fishing line. One end rabbit, one end tree. 
Look, it's just not a priority for the guy, you know, Bill said after a while. Cleanliness, I mean. It was a decent way of putting it. I felt bad for the way we've been talking. Bad karma to speak so poorly of old Rico behind his back and he, when he was so beat down. Janet didn't buy it. He's not seeing anyone, is he? She asked me. She was sitting, arms crossed and lips pulled in, still wearing her slippers. Did you even ask, she said, if he was seeing anyone? No, I said, no, I don't think he's seeing anyone. He's not doing much, is he? No, not doing much. And then there was a nice silence, and I had just gotten the first half of the knot, and was feeling good about the whole thing, looking forward to the fishing, but mostly just the water and the sun and nothing more, when Janet stood up and very quietly said, God, God damn it, God fucking damn it. Bill and I looking up, Janet standing there, the thin line of her mouth, eyes hard, staring at us with the sun slanting into the kitchen, just standing there. I could see then that we were not going fishing. God damn it, we're supposed to be his friends, she said, looking down at us. God fucking damn it. Hey, I said, hey, hey, hey. It's going to be okay. Okay, it's going to be okay. This I didn't know but said anyway. It could very well end up not okay. You say these things, sometimes they help. Is it, Janet said, because if it is, it's sure not thanks to us. Sure not thanks to you two, bringing him beer and getting in fights, and did you ever think that maybe he didn't need any more fucking beer? She was silent now. It was hurting her. She squinted at me, and I was glad we had already finished the coffee, and she had not had a chance to spit in it. I looked to Bill, but he very wisely shook his head and looked out the window, like he was just meditating on the situation, and therefore could not be reached for comment. Janet, I said, hey, Janet, listen to me. Janet, it's going to be all right. It didn't matter if it was true as long as it was said quietly and seriously. Each thing led to the next, angry words to quiet seriousness and quiet seriousness to acceptance. It was not hard, it just took time. So I said those things about how tough old Rico was. That was true and we both knew it. He had hit something hard, but he'd soon be over it. These things took time, but they got better. Old Rico really was tough, and although he was bashing his head against something right now, although it was clearly bruising bad and pretty messy and ugly too, still he would be alright. It gets better. It gets better. These things take time. I just feel useless is all, Janet said. The worst thing is being useless. And Bill, with his hands still twitching at the fishing line and his shoulders hunched high, looked up and nodded. Yeah, he said, fucking useless, that's all. Silence again for a while. Somewhere, a dog barking. Janet standing, breathing in short gasps. It helped to be angry, if you could manage it. And then Janet sat, folded herself down and into the chair, legs beneath her cross and arms holding in her belly. It was hurting her badly, but she was of course wrong. Worse still was to lie awake all night, sweating, shivering, dreaming only of asteroids. Quentin Care, everybody, let's bring out their closer to both of them. Okay. Fresh from the oven. <laughs> um, so I, I think I mentioned a month ago or two months ago, uh, my 
my friend uh, Molly Dunsmuir, um, who uh, died in February at age 72. And so this is like another kind of, um, this comes like another Molly story. In uh, the fall of 71, I transferred from McGill to Dalhousie. And so that first term I lived with, uh, oh, a couple of other people in a little apartment. There was like two bedrooms and I slept in the living room. And anyway, um, the girl didn't like me and the guy turned out to a few years later be gay. So I don't know why I was thrown out, but <laughs> anyway. So one of the many times that Molly helped me was uh, that January when I didn't suddenly have a place to live. Molly in Halifax. My friend when I had no friend to speak of. I slept on the thong slab of your makeshift couch in January when I had nowhere else to sleep except the Renaissance pad on Tower Road. Your obese cat Candy, Empress of the Flat. The Venus Botticelli on the tongue and glue's wall. A mug of Sanka with a radio on. Peter Zosky's This Country in the Morning. The irregular place was a bakery once. The living room, probably the retail space. The kitchen alcoves or your drowsy bed loft. Former ovens for the rising and breaking of bread. So baking of bread. Dear Molly with your poncho and braided heart and your instinct infallible for gay, straight, and square. Quentin Kerr, Eric Folsom, and Judith Popiel in the, again, July 2nd reading in the monthly open mic reading series called And the Journey Continues open mic reading series held at the Yum Cafe. And in a final short grouping in that round, uh, you'll hear uh, Kinman again and myself coming up now. I don't have the best eyes in the world. Did anybody come in uh, since that, that hasn't read? This is called Finally. I need my glasses. 
finally, the, actually, I can do that. I wrote this a few days ago, right here in this cafe in the morning. So I write quite. A, I write a lot of my poetry here at this cafe. I love it. Again, it's called finally. Finally, this morning, cafe music, indie folk, stories and lyrics, mostly solo, finger picking, finger style guitar worth listening to, this cafe full of window, the low light inside midday, a gray day outside lending mist and rain, the backdrop growing, enveloping this cafe's music, slow-mo movement, this perfect day encapsulating synchronized air and sound and mood as slowly within it all from a dark corner of a day the smiling muse arrives thanks second reading in the monthly open mic reading series that we call and the journey continues and always held now at the elm cafe and uh, those concluded uh, the reading portion of that evening i seldom can get the full event in a uh, single radio show so it kind of worked out pretty cool uh, I hope you can tune in next week as I move back into the uh, three-day poetry festival called Poets at Art Fest 3. 
and begin it with the last reading in the first day, and then I'll slide into the second day. We'll see how far into that we get, and uh, that for oh, at least the next probably months and maybe a little bit longer, we will be hearing more from that event featuring 56 poetry readings uh, that filled the 2019 Poets at Art Fest 5 event. And uh, I will, I do have, yeah, no, I don't really have any time for any more events, but uh, we will definitely get to them. I will tell you there is there is uh, an event uh, Coming up with Linda Kenyon, who is two events, actually. She will discuss and sign copies of her book uh, at Novel Idea Bookstore on Monday, August 12th from noon to 2. And then she's doing a uh, writing workshop at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library the following day. And that's the Isabel Turner Branch on August 13th. But we'll talk about that next Friday because I'm just about out of time here. Uh, so I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Uh, again, you've been listening to Finding a Voice on CFRC 101.9 FM, located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6, and we do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. I uh, just want to remind you that each hour of this show each week is uploaded to my blog space for it shortly after show ends and I get home. Uh, we'll remain there for four years at Finding a Voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. Again, thanks for tuning in today. Please stay tuned right at the top of the hour. Saltwater Music, two hours of East Coast music hosted by Rob Carnell will be coming up to take us there. Here's Neil Young with Thrasher.
hopelessness awaits I searched out my companions Who were lost in crystal canyons When the aimless blade of science Slashed the pearly gates suitcase in my hand how I lost my friends I still don't understand they had the best selection they were poisoned with protection there was nothing that they needed nothing left to find they were lost in rock or became park bench mutations on the sidewalks and in the stations they were waiting waiting so I got bored and left them there they were just dead weight to me better down the road without that load Brings back the time when I was eight or nine I was watching my mama's TV It was that great Grand Canyon rescue episode Where the vulture glides descending On an asphalt highway bending Through libraries and museums Galaxies and stars down the windy halls of friendship to the rose clip by the bullwhip the motel of lost companions waits with heated pool and bar but me i'm not stopping there got my own road left to hold just another line in the field of When the thrasher comes, I'll be stuck in the sun like the dinosaurs in shrines. But I'll know the time has come to give what's mine.